Welcome to the Flourish Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode as we learn, grow, and flourish together as a community of women. Hello. Welcome to our Flourish Podcast. So glad you joined us today. I wanted to mention briefly that I hate the fact that my nose is kind of always stuffy and there's like kind of a nasally sound in these podcasts. And I've pretty much tried everything. I have a long uh, standing sinus thing going on. So I hope you can tolerate that and not be too exasperated by it. Still working on different ideas or avenues, but just wanted to give a little (laughs) info on that because it, it is kind of exasperating. But Today, I'd like to talk about fighting versus fearing. And in life, we are given a lot of opportunities to decide which way we want to go with things. And it's incumbent upon us to know how to choose well and to know how to fight instead of allow fear to take over. So in Jeremiah 6.16, the Lord says this, and I believe he is saying it to us daily as well. Stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. But he goes on to say, But they said, we will not walk in it. Hmm, that's interesting. That's not what I want my answer to be. This In this section of the Bible, the prophet is describing the posture of God's people at that point in time. And it's pretty obvious that they're not interested in God's heart or his objective for them. In verse 10, in that same chapter, he says, the word of the Lord had become a reproach to them. In verse 14, those who are speaking for God have, this is an interesting quote, have healed the brokenness of his people superficially, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Ooh, yikes. In verse 15, they did not know how to blush. And in verse 17, he said, I had set watchmen over you saying, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not listen. Well, like I said, obviously, we don't ever want this to be a posture. We don't want to respond this way to God. But then we have to go back and say, okay, where is rest for me today? Where is rest in this decision? Where is rest in this trial or this situation? He says, stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. We have to learn how to do that. We have to know how to do that. God is always calling out to us to listen for his voice, his plan, his ways, his heart, his help for us. And to choose that and not our own ways, so that we can be obedient and we can find peace in our lives. We can actually live in peace so consistently 
And my experience has been that you could see God's heart throughout the Bible. If we actually really read it consistently with a mind to understand, we will see how trustworthy God is, how consistent he is, how able he is. And think about it. It culminates in his willingness to send Jesus to rescue us. I mean, how much more willing to give and sacrifice on our behalf can you be than that? In life, it would be really nice if things just turned out the way they were they should be or supposed to be all the time. Everything just kind of fell into place. Wouldn't that be nice? But because of our fallen world that we live in, that's not going to happen. We are people of free will, and that lends itself to a lot of challenging choices. We get to choose. God made us in his image, so we get to choose where we want to go and what we want to do with things and how we want to believe and how we want to respond. (sighs) One thing that's a perpetual choice is how we see God and his part in the midst of our struggles. So that's, I feel like, the most important choice we have all the time. We get to choose how we view God, how we see him, and how we see his part or his willingness even to play a part in the midst of our struggles and choices. In the last two podcasts, I talked about God's glory, and I talked about his resume, which really is an overview of his glory. And without a clear and working understanding of who God is, overarchingly and in our lives individually, we won't be able to choose the right path. We won't. We'll be confused. We'll err to doubt and defeat and perhaps even to destruction in areas of our lives. I don't want that. In Jeremiah 17, 4, the Bible says, And you will, even of yourself, let go of your inheritance that I gave you. That's possible. It's not like no matter what we do or what we choose, everything will just turn out okay. We have the ability and the capacity to let go of the inheritance God gave us in any area of our life, in our closeness with Him, in our relationships, in our marriage, in health issues, in all types of things. He goes on to say that because they let go of their inheritance, they will serve their enemies and that they have kindled a fire in His anger. Oh boy. And then there are some telling verses that follow. He compares a person who chooses to put his hope and trust in God's ability in his life versus a person who trusts in humans or others or even himself. The first one, he says, is like a bush in the desert and will not see. They won't even see prosperity when it comes. They won't get it. They won't get it. There there is a blessing right in front of them. They won't see it because they're trusting in their own ability, just like Um, Jacob did when he was trying to get his father's blessing. And then when he was trying to get the wife that he wanted, he just kept going on and on after his own ways of doing things and couldn't even see 
that God had already given him a promise that he would bless and favor him. But he couldn't see that. He was too busy trying to do it on his own. But then he said the other option is, well, this first person can't see when prosperity comes. It also says he will live in stony waste in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. Doesn't sound like a nice way to live. The second person he compares it with says, this is the person who puts their trust in God. And they, it says, this one is blessed like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought and it will never cease to yield fruit. Wow. That's what I want. That's who I want to be. That's how I want to live my life. Do I always know? But that's where I want to keep pressing into. And again, this goes back to knowing God's resume, his ability to knowing his character. Do I really believe that I can trust him instead of trusting myself? Do I really believe in a particular situation I'm facing right now, if I say, God, I need your help, and I'm going to believe your promise that says so-and-so, I will see a solution. I will find rest. There will be peace. There will be prosperity in that choice. My leaves will be green. I'll yield fruit. Do we believe that? One of my favorite sections of the Bible is Jeremiah 15, 18 through 19. And he asks a question here. He says, and I've asked this question before of God. There have been seasons in my life where I have definitely asked this question. He says, why has my pain been perpetual? Why has my wound been incurable, refusing to be healed? And then he goes on to charge God here. He says, will you indeed be to me a deceptive stream with water that is unreliable? Obviously, he had initially a wrong perception of God. He was believing wrong. He was thinking God was fooling him or deceiving him or or just being unreliable and holding out on him. Remember how Eve felt that? When she took the bite of the apple, she was convinced by the serpent that God was holding out on her. He could help her, but he wasn't going to. He could take proper care of her and do right by her, but he probably wasn't going to. So this, he's asking this question, why is this happening? Why won't this go away? Why am I still dealing with this? And he says, will you be a deceptive stream? He's talking to God with water that's unreliable. In other words, can I even trust you? But here's the Lord's answer. And this is from the Amplified. If you return and give up this mistaken tone of distrust and despair, then I will give you again a settled place of quiet and safety. There it is again, that place of peace and rest and quiet. If he returns and lets go of this mistaken tone that he can't trust God, this despair. And then you will be my minister also. So God will use you to help and touch others' lives. It won't just be about you but you can help others because you know who your God is and you've given up any mistaken tones about God. And he says, if you separate the precious from the vile, and he kind of repeats the same thing, cleansing your own heart from unworthy 
and unwarranted suspicions concerning God's faithfulness. So in other words, if you choose to make a decision that whatever's in your heart that is mistrusting God, even if it's kind of under the surface, even if you're not blatantly saying it, even if it's kind of just there and evident by the fact that you refuse to trust him in an area. So he says, if you cleanse your heart from those unworthy and unwarranted suspicions about God's faithfulness, you will be my mouthpiece. In other words, when you choose to fully trust the Lord and to know that he's faithful, to know that he's able, to know that he's capable in every area of your life, God will make you a minister and a mouthpiece on his behalf. So to me, that also means that if we don't do that, if we are suspicious concerning God's ability, his desire, his willingness, then we can't really be a mouthpiece or a minister, not effectively. So these are things we have to really come to terms with. When we know him and his character, we will be willing to return. When we fail, when we're completely confused, lost, unsure, or afraid, we'll know that we can return and we must return. It's not an option. It's not an option. The more we keep plowing away, banging into one wall after another, being obstinate, being stubborn, being persistent, we will say, why is my wound uncurable, refusing to be healed? And eventually we'll blame God. God, look what you've done. God, you haven't helped me. God, you have not been there for me. I've prayed, but you haven't been there for me. You know, praying isn't enough. It's our posture in prayer that makes the difference. Just saying, oh, God, help, or oh, God, this is terrible. Oh, God, oh, I need help. That isn't enough. We have to have a posture of true understanding of who he is. If you look in 2 Peter, it talks about his precious and magnificent promises, and that when we go after them, we become a partaker of his divine nature. But it also talks about it's through the precise, accurate, intimate knowledge of God that this ability is multiplied to us. It's not a loosey-goosey, yeah, I know God's real. Uh, He he might help me. He might. It's not like that at all. There has to be a, a strength and a solidity in our hope toward him. It's not a wishy-washy thing. He says very clear in those verses in Jeremiah that the person who fully trusts in God will be blessed. They'll bear fruit. They'll be have green leaves. We have to really take this seriously. And it's honestly not about some deep um, idea that is unattainable. It's about a choice. A choice as to whether God is who he said he is. We have to know that he is our help. We will fight for his ability, his grace, to walk the ancient pathway where, there's a, where the good way is. And then we'll have rest. Trust in God or faith isn't a formula. It's not A plus B equals C. It's a willingness to hold on to the Lord's promise, to return and return again, and a refusal to be removed from that place, fighting against the lies, fighting instead of fearing, going after it, fighting, 
fighting for the truth, fighting to hold fast, fighting not to give up, fighting to believe he will bring to pass what he promised. Fighting sometimes natural, logical mindsets and knowing God is smarter and he has a way for us. So may I encourage you today, if you've been struggling and you're like kind of in a place maybe of despair or discouragement, have you returned? Have you said, wait a minute, what am I doing here? I just need to return. I need to go back to that place where I know God is my father. My goodness, he sent Jesus on my behalf. He will help me. He is a very present help in time of trouble. So may I encourage you to take some time, go into a quiet place and return. Fight, don't fear. Believe him with your whole heart. Know that he is faithful. Thanks for joining me. Love you. Thanks for listening to the Flourish Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. For more information about Flourish, our annual conference, or to join our community of women, visit nrpflourish.com. See you next time.